to be the one a raptor just like a Tracy McGrady get richer find me a lady put her in a Mercedes and watch her ride my jersey cause you know my baby worthy in any game she go side know I'm going for 30 you heard me Shooter with a green light, green light. Never had a hit on me tight, tight. Cause my left couldn't be a little better. But you know I had a me right. Welcome to All Hustle No Luck. First and foremost, the song that you heard on the intro is Hoop Dreams by Damo AP. It's an unreleased song, but we're gonna have the link to his latest song, Two Shots, in our Instagram bio, as well as the podcast description for this episode. So we'd encourage all of our listeners to go check it out. With that said, very, very, very exciting to bring this to you guys. Right, today it's going to be myself, Kevin, Chris on the mic, and this is going to be a lot different from our regular episodes. So Mondays at 8 a.m. is going to be the same, and it's never going to change. We're always going to release that to you and talk NBA college basketball, but this is something we're very excited about, and it's going to be a lot different. So we're going to have our very first interview. We're going to be conducting our very first interview and have our very first guest on the podcast. And it's someone we've been friends with for a very long time, and we've had conversations about his hoop journey and what he's kind of gone through in pursuit of his goals, but never have we gotten the full story from point A to point B. And the good thing about it is a lot of people know him, but don't necessarily know his story. So this is an opportunity for him to you know, share his experiences to people who just know him and want to know, other people player people who are playing this game and may be in a similar position to him one day or just people who are fans of the game and want to understand how it was like or how it is coming up in this city and trying to you know pursue a better goal so without further ado i'm going to introduce our guest his name is damien prehe or day day mvo or his most recent alias demo ap what up what up what up <laughs> man's dropped the day day mvo in there that's crazy that's how you know it's been a long time still yeah what up, everybody? Thank you for having me on the on the show. I'm excited to talk some things about basketball. As you said, a lot of people know me, but might not really know my basketball story unless you know me, know me for real. So, yeah, this would be interesting to get to share some of my story uh, on a platform like this. I think it's dope, so I appreciate it. Don't know. Um, thank you for taking the time out. Still, we got there, so it's the most important thing. Chris, what are you saying? Yeah. So, like before, before, before we start, um, the motivation behind it, really. Um, and it's just like, we talk about, normally a lot of people that like watch ball and are a fan of ball, they play ball, but like you have like a whole spectrum of what it means to really play ball. You know what I'm saying? Like you had niggas like me that only play in like high school and stuff like that. And then you guys got, 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 uh, guys like Demo, like he's out here, like he's, you know, he leaves the city. He, he's trying to chase something, um, that's bigger than himself. So. Yes, normally we're just a basketball podcast when we're just talking about NBA and stuff like that. But a lot of people either have lived a similar type of life, you know what I'm saying, where they're chasing something and they end up facing whatever adversity is in the way. Or, you know, they're interested in seeing people blossom. Like, I remember me in high school saying, like, yeah, like, Damo was the best basketball player I knew personally. You know what I'm saying? So to hear a story like this, it should help people out to see, like, what's popping with it. Oh, yeah. Well, well. All right, so you wanna, do you want to rephrase? Hold on, pause real quick. Yo, Christian, do you want to rephrase? You said you dropped the M word already, bro. Oh yeah, yo, listen. No, no, it's, no, one it's, of not, those... it's not that serious. It's not that. Serious. Oh, okay, okay, so, yeah, okay, okay. No, no, yeah. no, we're not, we're it's not one stopping of, nothing. It's one it's of those where like man's not my best, mouth already. So just okay, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> try your best. <laughs> All right, All so right, so to start off, uh, Damien, I want you to explain your um just the basketball story. So basically, what happened? What's what have you been up to post? high school because i know there's been a few stops 
Okay, after high school. Okay. All right, so after high school, first and foremost, it's crazy because in terms of, I know after high school, but just real quick, just to get into how I started before high school, basketball. go ahead. Still. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. You know, I started playing basketball pretty late compared to most people that That's I've facts. competed with and playing with. You know, I started playing in like grade six, seven uh, when I moved to Brampton. Uh, before that, I played basketball, but it wasn't really something I was pursuing. I just played on the block or outside and shit, but... You know, I wasn't like, oh, I want to play ball or I wasn't on a rep team or nothing like that. So when I moved from Brampton, from Toronto, I went to Ernstcliff. Uh, that's where I kind of started uh, knowing Kev. But, you know, when I went there, everything was a little different because basketball was more culture up here. And, you know, the Brampton Warriors and CAA Bounce at the time that was starting up, it was culture. So, like, I got really excited in terms of, like, trying to keep up with, you know, the competitiveness. And then that's how I got into it, like, grade six, grade seven. So, um for me, uh, I have a late birthday, so I was always able to kind of play around with age groups at a younger age. You know, the co- coaches can finesse you playing up or down because I have a late birthday. But when I got to high school, that's when I really started making up my mind that I really wanted to play basketball. And that's where I met, you know, Christian, um, a BSS. All three of us went to school together. And honestly, even going to BSS wasn't really in the plan because our school wasn't really known yeah. for basketball, you know? yeah. So that was really, yeah. I don't even lie to you. I'm saving that for our next one. So I'm hoping we do this another time and then we discuss that part of like, because we all experienced that, right? Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah. But go ahead, continue. Yeah. So going to BSS, you know, I met these guys and started playing ball there. And, you know, things started taking off in terms of recruitment for like uh, AAU teams and rep teams and whatnot. And um, everything was pretty good at that point. You know, that's kind of when I started getting a feel for understanding like how basketball really goes and understanding that like, okay, I'm trying to get a scholarship now. Like that was in my mind at that age. So, you know, playing at BSS and playing on CIA Bounce at the time, which is one of more of the solidified, you know, uh, rep programs and that age group uh, was really interesting. So I was excited because I was around a lot of uh, high ranked players, my age group. And, you know, the competitiveness was like contagious, you know, and, um, Looking back now, there's a lot of things that I didn't really understand that was happening. But at the time, I thought it was sweet for me. I thought everything was good. And I was pretty much destined in my mind that I was going to go D1 for sure. And then after that, you know, uh, a race to play professionally in some way, shape or form. So that's what kind of pushed me all the way through high school, to be honest. And I've always been okay in school. Like, aside of my grade nine year, I struggled at a couple classes for the rest of my, uh, you know, high school career. School was a little bit easier for me only because I was so driven uh, on chasing a scholarship. And had it not been for that, I don't know if I would have done as well in school because I'm not really interested in books per se. Uh, I was more driven through basketball. So I think basketball really helped me get through school. And that's kind of part of my motivation because in my mind, it was always if I can go get my school paid for in terms of, you know, college or university, make my mom proud and then find a way to make basketball get money. But, you know, my motive has always been to try to better position my, myself and my family so that's kind of where the motivation came from for me and why I started liking basketball because for me basketball became my way out per se so all right so one thing I can attest to for sure like <clears throat> as he said for people that aren't really involved in the game that much if you start off in grade six or seven playing like organized basketball that's late as hell like that's not it sounds it, you're obviously young at that time, but compared to other people yeah. that were obviously around them, like people are starting off five, six. Like if you're, if you're not starting off at that age, then you're, you're kind of late behind. So I can attest to that for sure. Um, so, all right. So, so 
you gave us the motivation behind it. You kind of explained all the way up into high school, right? So what, what was the first stop after high school? So after high school, um, you know, I graduated from St. Margaret DeVille. I was getting some D1 looks at some of the schools uh, that were coming out to some of our tournaments. Um, most of them are kind of close to the border, St. Bonaventure, Kinesis, uh, University of uh, Central Michigan, Buffalo University. Some schools like that were reaching out to me. I didn't get any offers. There's a lot of interest. And part of my issue, honestly, was being uh, starting so late, as we just said, and being, you know, the size that I was, I played forward all, all, yeah. all, all of high school. So now when it was crazy. time to get recruited, right? So if you guys don't know some background, I'm like 6'5", and at the time I probably weighed like 180, if, you know, if even that. So I was playing forward over here. Uh, and I probably wasn't even 6'5 until the later peak of my high school, but um, undersized, you know, because in America where I'm getting recruited to try to go, those those are their point guards and their shooting guards, you know. So I was playing forward. So getting recruited, that's kind of something that held me back. Um, but my first stop, you know, I got a look at a, a junior college in terms of a full offer, a junior college in uh, Kansas um, called Barton uh, uh, Junior College. Uh, community college, sorry, Barton Community College. And I went there for my first stop in America after high school. Now, that story is crazy because I was at that school for a total of two weeks before I transferred. And I got my offer there. Uh, I got a bunch of offers on the tables. I don't remember all the schools at this time. I had probably like four JUCOs interested in me, some in Florida, one in Texas. And then I had this Barton one. Why, so why Kansas originally then? So so I chose Kansas because at the time that coach that I was spoken to was the one that seemed the most promising and the one that was, you know, the communication seemed to be very clear with this person in particular. And he had a relationship with the coach that was helping me out over here. So it was a place I felt more, most comfortable going because of how much communication was on par. And he was really doing his job to like sell the school to me and, and get me over there. So um also, uh, different states have different requirements in terms of being eligible to play. So at the time, the way that he pitched it to me for Kansas, you know, and what the state could give the school for international student, et cetera, et cetera, all these things matter because state to state and school to school is different. So at the time, I was also trying to consider, like, I wanted to go somewhere where I knew my mom had no financial responsibility. And some of these schools that were offering me scholarships you know, they might have been a full scholarship, but some of them are trying to hit me with like, OK, you got to pay a two band semester international student fee because we can only give out such and such. And you are, you know, one of the latest players we're, we're bringing on or things like that, you know. So we're trying to find other ways to kind of hit my pockets or hit my mom's pockets. So I just want to go somewhere where my mom can just not worry about it at all. So I went to Kansas. I was there for two weeks. And after being there for two weeks. Uh, the coach came to me actually and told me something that he thought was going to get approved financially, didn't get approved. And the very reason I went there, which is to avoid, you know, paying anything, he ended up telling me basically um, for what he was able to get approved. He didn't think it was going to happen this way. Usually he doesn't have an issue, but I'm going to have to pay set amount first semester, second semester, but everything else, books, housing, all that's taken care of. So it was a, it was crazy. You know, I had a conversation with my mom, um, and the coach for like three hours one night. I remember it's crazy. The power was out that day. And I just kept wondering to myself, I'm like, yo, everything's happening right now. It just seems like a message from God. Like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm sitting in the hallway talking to my mom on the phone. Like, phone's about to die. And, like, in Kansas, no right? Yeah, in Kansas. Yeah. And there's no power. And it's me, my coach, and my mom on the phone. And we're talking about it. And basically, this coach is just like, look, I'm sorry about the situation and how this happened. 
what I could do. Like I can help connect you guys with another school that will take care of everything I promise. And I will still take care of him. So that night, right then and there, after sitting on the phone for like two hours with my mom and his coach, we decided, okay, I'm going to transfer. And I transferred to uh, Tallahassee Community College in Florida. And the next day I got on a flight. I packed up my bags. I went and said bye to all my teammates and all the friends that I made. And I, and I packed up my bags and I left. So I went to Florida. So two weeks in, in, in America, I've already gone to, I'm already in the second state, you know, within the first three weeks. So for me, you know, at the time, you know, it was it was a big move for me because it's my first time living away from home and I had to jump from state to state. So I end up in Tallahassee Community College now. Uh, and I'm, I, already I love it like way more than Kansas because my school in Kansas was in the middle of nowhere, like just hills and stuff around me, you know. So I go to Florida now and it's just like, you know, the shit I've been seeing on social media, like you see, you know, palm trees and schools, there's gal everywhere, and there's pools. Don't forget the women. Yeah, you know, so my apartment complex was nice. Like we had a we had our own pool. I had my own room, my own my own bathroom. Everything was nice. He put us in like a nice complex, and you know, so far even in terms of the team, the team seemed better over there. Um, but an unfortunate thing about eligibility again and how it worked out is that um, I touched down at the school. I think forty eight hour mark uh, after being eligible to play for the first semester. So immediately I was not able to play the first semester because of some rule um, in the books that I had to be there by a certain date to be able to play. And so, the reason why you weren't there was because you went to Kansas first. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So these are all things that are hitting me kind of in the moment and I just have to do it there. But now it's like, okay, my first semester just got robbed for me. Like there's nothing I could do to play. So I'm just going to have to practice and either gear up for, you know, second half of the year or a red shirt this year. Um, and this is where, having a little bit more guidance could have helped because I was making all these decisions by yourself, basically. Yeah. You know, the coach is back home. He kind of lobbed me up to the Kansas school where he had his personal connect, but then the Kansas school kind of lobbed me to this school where that was their personal connect. So in terms of anyone back home, it wasn't really, there was no really help or anything like that. And, you know, that's something that I think about all the time. I feel like if I had a little bit more guidance, I could have maybe made it a little further, but anyhow, I'm at Tallahassee now, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, my gosh, should I sit out this whole year and just redshirt myself and just practice, or, you know, should I play? But being eager to try to get D1, because the whole thing for me is I was eligible to go D1 off of my grades, like, I passed my grades. My, my issue was just getting recruited at the position I was supposed to. So it was more there for me for skill development. It wasn't there for schooling, you know, whereas other people – you know, they have to go there for schooling because they didn't do good enough at high school. Facts, yeah, facts. You know, so for me, it, the grades were good. It was just a skill that I wanted to, I had to find a way to transition from a 4-5 to a 3-2, to a you know. So I just, you know, I started working my ass off, just working on my jumper, working on my handles a little bit, you know, and just, and just reps, reps, reps. But I was also very eager to play. So I made the decision in my own mind, okay, my goal is not to, not to be here long term. So redshirting a whole year at the time, this is my logic, redshirting a whole year, but waiting to play the next year, that's already one year gone. And another year I'm playing Juco when I'm just trying to go D1. So, you know, maybe I play second half. I work on my skills. Maybe, if you know, if I kill second half, I can get a good look and I can be out of here by next year because I'm not bound. I don't need to stay here for two years, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is where life hits again. So I start playing second half. I get plantar fasciitis in my foot, the bottom of my foot. Uh, it's a it's an injury and it's really bad, you know. So 
now I'm in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm injured and I'm playing through my injury, but this is not really helping me long-term basketball-wise. But again, like no real guidance. I'm just thinking to myself, like I've had a groin injury in high school. I've had a different minor injury in high school and I played through it and I'm still able to perform. But with this plantar fasciitis, you know, not the rate that we're practicing and playing, like every time I played on my 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 injury, it got worse. So and did the team did the team know that that you had the injury or was yeah, it something yeah, yeah. that you just held it down? No, the coaches knew I had the injury. Everyone knew I had an injury. Um, but you know, Juco life is like a dog eats world out there. You know, yeah, so you want to you want to play like you don't even want to sit. Cause. Exactly. So you know, I've always had it in my mind like I'm gonna play through whatever injury. But you know, being older and being in college and, and now looking back in hindsight, you know, the smarter thing would have would have been to sit out and let my injury heal and play when I'm healthy because that ended up hurting me more than helping me because I wasn't able to perform, you know, at the rate that I wanted to because I was injured. And you could see that I'm out there like limping and stuff, you know, or you could see that I'm not playing my full self. And the injury took longer to heal because I was playing on it. Um, yeah, that's a rest one too. That's one of the ones right. that you say it doesn't get better if it's surgery or rest. And right. obviously you're not getting no surgery. Right. And I was wearing a boot like in my, in my I was wearing a boot but still strapping up like to play ball and shit. So it's crazy. But, you know, so I did that and that kind of affected, you know, how I played. And again, ironically enough, like the whole point was to transition to playing the two, three. So in the workouts at my school, they would have me be doing, you know, workouts for forwards and workout for guards, whatever the case is. Uh, our team was very undersized in general, but, you know, the role they wanted me to play in game was very similar to what I was doing back home, which is playing the four and five, whereas they're training me to play the two, three. And I guess the logic was there, like what I'm good at, I'm good at right now. But in terms of my personal, you know, agenda, that wasn't really helping me because we had a lot of D1 schools in the, in the, in the gym all the time, but I was still playing the four or five. And the whole point was for me to transition to playing the two, three. So that first year, they really go as I wanted it to go. And, um, the coach that I had at the time was is was a real crazy guy, and a lot of players that are really better than me. To be honest, we're still having a rough time dealing with this coach because it was his first year coaching there, and he had his own way of coaching, and it was it was really in your face, yelling kind of coach, like "I own you" type shit. Like I'll take away what you want. At one time, he threatened to send me home for absolutely no reason. Tell me, you gonna send my ass back to Canada? Absolutely no reason. Uh, and he was like that. So a lot of coaches and a lot of players, you know, in our organization didn't really you know like him like that so when I kind of seen how he was dealing with some of the players that are what a higher caliber than me at the time you know some of these guys came from D1 and they came back down for whatever reasons and they were still having issues getting placements I'm like okay yo, I don't really trust this coach you know with my career so it's time to make an adjustment so I was in a situation now where I'm thinking to myself okay do I go to another Juco do I try to land a D1 do I come back home you know, everything in my in my mind is telling me don't go back home yet. Like, it's not the right move. You've made it over here. You're good. You know, just get yourself in a good situation. And, you know, you learn from this here. So go ahead. So I went back. I started working out at some D1 schools. I went to Buffalo again. I revisited uh, Central Michigan. I started working out at these schools. Those are the two basically I had my hands on the most. And I almost, almost, almost locked in again. But it just didn't go how I wanted it to go. Um, and... They just told me, like, you know, even when I was at school, Buffalo and some other schools that I knew from back home came to my JUCO and talked to me. But I guess I just hadn't made it there. I hadn't made the cut enough yet with my skill and sharpening to be a guard to take me. So they didn't take me. So um, 
at this point now, I'm like, you know, I'm running out of time. It's it's becoming like midway through August, and I need to know where I'm going to school. And that's very late, by the way. If you don't know, school by starts August. by then, no? Yeah, school's already starting. You know, so now basically, I'm in the last week where it's like people are already at schools that they're going to, but classes are going to start the next Mondays, and I'm like the week ahead, but um, the week before that, thinking to myself, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? So I go on my phone and I start looking at some schools that had reached out to me. And um, at the time, to be honest, I even had, uh, I, I paid, my mom paid some guy, I forget his name right now, um, but we paid some guy that was connected in basketball too to kind of help reach out to different coaches because he had some connects. So he had connected me with some schools that offered me. And um, I just took one of the D2 looks that I had and it was between going D2 or going to Juco and at this point, you know, so this go, is, go, sorry, at that time, going back wasn't an option yet, right? Like, going back. back home for me, yeah. like in my mind, like I'm like, I'm not in going your back mind, home. It's, it's too early still. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, you know, something I started thinking about is I kept, I kept, I realized in one year already, like how much basketball is like, I can't control like the outcome as much, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then I'm thinking to myself, okay, at least with school, like, okay, is my school paid for? I can control that. Like if I have a full school's paid for, okay, let me go get my school paid for and stuff like that. So I'm like, the basketball, you're going to keep getting hit with different coaches and, you know, curveballs. But at least, you know, if you just pass your class, you're passing class, you're getting your degree, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I start, started thinking about it like that. So I'm like, okay, should I go D2 or should I go back Juco? And at the time, it was just the offers I had. I only had D2 and, and Juco offers. And again, you know, if I went back Juco, I had a, I already been at Juco for one year. So after the next year, I would have had to leave Juco anyways because you can only be there for two years. So for me, it's like, okay, I'd rather go somewhere where I can start getting in the rotation and, and build something versus, you know, going back to Juco and then I'll have to transfer again anyways, you know? So I'm like, let me just go get myself established somewhere. So because of the timeline, I accepted a D2 offer from the school in Tennessee called King University. And I accepted the offer. I didn't even have an official visit. You know, the first time I saw the school in person due to like how long it took for me to decide what I was doing was when I got dropped off and my mom and I, and my girlfriend, we, at the time, drove down 11 hours and dropped me off there. And I got there. School looks like Hogwarts. It's crazy. It's like an old school in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. Again, it reminded me of Kansas because my school is literally in the middle of like hills, like nothing around me, you know. Uh, and it was a real like, if you ever hear Tennessee and people talk about like rednecks and kind of like racist places and stuff like that, where I was going to school was really like that. Like it was very like crazy. It was just different. So. When I got there, I already felt like the air was just different. Like I was breathing was just different. But I told myself again, yo, it is what it is. Like you're getting your school paid for. It's a fast scholarship. I had no expenses whatsoever. And on top of that, they provided me with a job and some other stuff. So I was still making money at school. So I went there. Um, and when I went there, you know, this is where I started thinking more about strategically getting myself in a better position. Because I, for me, I felt as if... Not to say I settled because I didn't have those options, but it wasn't the level I wanted to play at, you know. And I and, and I, it was, it's it's really mentally challenging too because a lot of my peers and my teammates, you know, they're playing in the in the schools and the places that, you know, we we all play together to 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 amount to. So when I'm finding myself in these situations, you know, kind of just me myself or my mom making these decisions, it was getting like disheartening a little bit because I feel like yo, I'm not far off, nor do I feel like you know some of the people that are making it. A, you know, further than me are, are that much better than me. But, you know, let me just figure out my own situation and not really pay attention to that. But in the back of your mind, it's always kind of eating at you that, like, you could be in a better situation, you know? So 
I'm at D2 now, and boom, you know, my roster, my, my, my coach has hella players on the roster. He probably had like a 14-man roster. And um, my coach talks to me. He's a really old man. My coach is like probably over 60 of that year. He's, he's really old. He has a hearing, hearing aid in his ear, everything. He's a really old guy. So he's really traditional to the books kind of guy. And um, he's talking to me now, but he's talking to me all numbers. Like he doesn't really care about what's going on in practice. He doesn't really care about my story. He doesn't really care about what I'm trying to do. He's looking at my numbers from half of the year of the Juco year where my numbers weren't really saying much. Um, and he's trying to judge me off of that, but I knew like that wasn't a reflection of my ability. So he just had a conversation with me and he just told me like, look, this is a situation on our roster right now. We have 14, 15 guys. We can only travel with, uh, 12, uh, and we can only have 12 on the roster. And to be honest, when we play, we're probably only going to play 10 guys, nine guys. So he said, listen, I'm not telling you're not going to play. Cause right now, you know, you're playing well and you're doing everything you have to do in practice, but I'm having this conversation with you right now to let you know that based on the numbers and, you know, how we recruited certain players and my agenda with what guys I took from high school and who I want here for four years, like right now you got to earn yourself a spot uh, and that's not guaranteed to you. Uh, so you could decide what you want to do. You can go out there and, you know, dog it out and, and get yourself in a rotation or you can maybe take a seat back this year if you want to in a red shirt and just get yourself, you know, a better position for the year to come. Now for me, this is the part that gets tricky because in every situation that I've been to, like the coaches know who they're recruiting ahead of time. Like they tell you they want you for whatever reasons. And then as soon as you sign the papers and you get to the school, they hit you with a whole different agenda, you know? So for me, it's like, you already knew what you were recruiting when I got here. You knew everything. You knew my numbers. You knew all of that. So why do you wait for me to sign a scholarship and get here to have this conversation? Like we could have been had this conversation, you know? So whatever. In my mind, I said to myself, okay, you know what? One year in, I did a redshirt last year. Let me just redshirt this year. And the reason I said this wasn't because I was worried about any of my spot on that team or nothing like that, because I could play. What I was thinking to myself is this. If I want to transfer out of this school next year and I play this year, I'm going to have to sit out next year. So because I didn't even really want to be D2 or play D2, I said, in terms of basketball, I'll sit out this year. I'll get my school up. I'll get my grades. I'll, I'll get my courses towards my degree. And then if I decide I stay next year, I stay. But if I want to bounce and play somewhere else, I'll be good to play because I redshirted this year. So, question, question. So with that, when you're saying you, you wanted to stay out that year just to make sure that you can play the next year, what were you looking at? Like trying to go D1? Yeah. Or so, was it anywhere in D2? Because my question would be like, if you're not playing – Obviously not not on a talent issue, but just based on you redshirting, right? Yeah. And, and D two, like how could you get a look to go D one? Right. So, so so this sort of thing, these are, and this is where it gets so sticky because I was doing so much research because I was just aspiring, desiring to make it to that point. Like I wanted just to go D one, uh, but at the time I also understood, okay, this is my situation, and there's some D one programs out there that was still pretty good, and I could still go pro and whatever. But I did some research, and I would have been able. Uh, to transfer and play D1 the next year if I hadn't played basketball at the school I was at. So I was still in communication with some of the coaches that were recruiting me, but I was also creating new relationships with uh, other coaches in America while I was there, um, potentially to if I were to play the next year, you know? So that's kind of how it worked because I sat out, I could have transferred the next year and played anywhere because I didn't play basketball. I just was going to school. So that to me was like a security thing and for me in my mind it's like okay another year for me to work on my skill and not and not worry about 
you know, the basketball years being wrapped of me because I didn't want to be in a situation where at the point I finally get to a school I want to go to, I can only play for two years because to be honest, in most of these schools, unless you're like a super, super high recruit, your year three and four are the times you really get to shine, you know? So I didn't want to be in a position where I got to a school and only had two years there and their superstar freshmen or their seniors and juniors are playing over me and then I'm still, you know what I mean, not doing what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, let me sit out so I can secure myself a spot wherever I go next. And I still have my three to four years left because I only used one. So that's kind of how that worked. So after my year at that school, um, I was just I was just hooping over there. I was working on my stuff again. Most of my work, to be honest, of all things, was my jumper. Like there's something I spent hours yeah. and hours on my jumper. And these guys know because they yeah, had high school with me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I could not shoot a jumper in high school. You feel me? Uh, I, I remember can... still because there was one point like you had you had obviously left and you were gone for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember uh, there was one time we we hooped with you one one time when you came out to one of the runs and I was saying like, nah, this is this is stupidness. Like yeah. the release was quick as shit, and you were just shooting the ball and 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 I was guarding you that time. I did everything but pull your nutsack. So it's like pause, <laughs> but like you know what I'm saying like. Pause. I was I was doing my I was doing my shit and it was like nah this guy is just so like I, I you you definitely yeah, yeah, I, I can tell that you definitely but yo that's one of the questions that I would have to ask though as well because the theme that I'm hearing right now is that you were always you were always you know yes you had your mind towards getting to a certain school or playing at a certain level but every single time you always look back at it and you always said okay but like while I'm here it's about development 100%, right yeah. it's 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 about development but like as you said. You know, in high school, you played a certain way. And obviously, it's like when you're in high school, especially in Canada, I, I don't know how it works over there in the States, but in, in, in Canada, like you are going, if you are 5'10", 5'11", in high school, you're a center. <laughs> unless unless you have somebody that's on your team that's taller than you. But like if you are that height and thing, you're a center. And it was yeah. like that that's what you were that's what you were dealing with when you were over here so when mm-hmm. you're going over there now it's like i right, now you're trying to develop new skills that you didn't have a chance to because right. man's box you in once you reach a certain exactly. height too early so it's like when you're over there like what do you what would you say looking back is like how much role do you feel like you have to play in it and then how much do you feel like it was just the cards that you were given? So, because obviously there's been people that are here. You right. you know, like Dylan Brooks, he's 6'6". Six, six. I'm sure he didn't have to right. play center. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like, where do you <laughs> think you, you know, like you Crazy played it? Dylan Brooks was playing center, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Crazy. But it was. And, and, all right. So you see what I'm saying? Like, but this is where I'm saying, and this is where it gets crazy, right? Because even Dylan, he's my guy. Shout out to him and shows love. No, like, we'll, we'll get to him still. We'll get you to know? him at the end. So it's crazy. And, and this is where, you know, it's really hard when you're in it to think like this um and it wasn't until i kind of removed myself from my basketball world where i was able to even take myself in at a in a different way at the time you always think you're doing everything you can you know because you know how much you're juggling your own life you know how much work you're putting in and you know like you know like bro i came from not being able to shoot at all I, i can hit any shot in the gym and i'm still not getting my share so at the time like you can't make sense of what's going on around you but when i removed myself from you know, my basketball world that I look back to myself, I can look at myself and still feel like I didn't, you know, go as hard as I thought I was going or not that I say I wasn't going hard, but there was always room for me to do more, you know, but at the time I felt like I was doing it all and I was doing everything. Um, And that's one thing about, you know, being an athlete and what, I don't want to say what hurt me, but you know, what was really hard for me 
it's up until a certain point outside of playing on my AAU team, which is the only exception. But for the most part, any school I went to uh, in high school, I was always the guy. You know what I'm saying? So that, you know, going from being able to always have the team behind you kind of and like pushing you and, you know what I mean? Everyone's confident in you to going to like fighting for your stripes and like you're playing behind bench players and you feel as if you can go in the gym and do anything these guys are doing. That kind of eats at you a lot. And, and you know, I, for me, a lot of it has to do with cards I was given. Uh, but I would even say just as much was my own, my own, you know, work, work. Acting. And I say that because, um, I let a lot of stuff get to me and it discouraged me a lot more than I should have allowed it to. And, you know, a lot of the players that I've played with that I've even made it further than me, they were dealt different cards, but you know, some of them as well just had a different mentality. Uh, and we'll talk more on Dylan later, but he's one of those guys that yeah. I just seen him kind of unleash something in him. Like no matter where he went, he didn't care what no one was talking about, you know, and you can kind of see that in him right now when he plays. So, Trust me, yeah. promise you we'll get to that stuff. Right? I promise. So, yeah, so we're getting to that. Cards dealt for sure is, a, is an aspect because, you know, my thing about it is this. The AU coaches I was playing for in the high school that I was playing for all knew my goals and all knew what I was because, shit, coaches were coming, recruiting players to go D1 and everyone knew what I wanted. Um, And not one of my coaches, not one of my coaches on any team that I've played for really tried to one-on-one push me to get me to yeah. play the right position. Uh, talking back to our coach in high school, uh, I know you probably have another segment about our whole coach, but just a quick little gem. He came up to me. Um, I went and watched my sister run track uh, two years post, post-secondary. And he came up to me. He saw me, uh, and he came up to me, and he apologized to me. And, and he, he, said o- he to owes me, you one still. Yeah, he came he to me, you. and he apologized to me, and he said to me, uh, you know, Damien, I just want to let you know I feel like you would have made it further if I didn't hold you back so much. So, you know, I want to apologize and let you know. Uh, and, you know, you guys remember being at school and I'd be being told I can't dunk anymore in games and stuff like that. Told like, you can't yeah. dunk, told you can't shoot. shoot like, no, dribble, nothing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yo, and, and so hold on, so hold on. So let me ask you what that said, right? Because I was going to get to that. Like mm-hmm. when you, obviously we talked about the whole height thing and you know, you're, you're the tallest guy in the gym. You're the best guy. So they're, they're going to pigeonhole you and force you, right? Like right. how much of that does that play? Cause I know, I know when you went to bounce, the mindset was probably a lot different because they understood the, the end goal here. Like right. they understood that players can actually get to the next level. Right. And I feel like they were the first to know that right? right? because they were the first to have Andrew Wiggins come through right. Tyler Ennis, for example, like Bennett, those type guys. of guys. Yeah. So, so this is where it gets crazy because this is where I started getting real resentment to like our, our high school coach at the time, because it was almost like I was living two, two basketball worlds, two different like things. You know, when I'm in the gym at our school, I'm dealing with a man telling me I can't do this, but You're when I'm at practice, you, you see what I'm saying? But when I'm at practice, <laughs> Same I'm being yelled at, you, you know, when I'm at practice, yeah. I'm being yelled at for not doing the things that I'm, you know what I mean? So it was really like confusing for me. I was torn because my confidence that I feel like I should have instilled in myself, you know, in my high school, which is where I was the guy, I should have been able to work on those things. On my AU team, I was not the guy. I was one of many people and there was a lot of guys better than me. And now I'm being told to do those things. But you know what I mean? It, it's It's harder because 
I'm not getting as much time to play. I'm not getting as much confidence built and pushed into me like I was on my high school team for my teammates and, you know, being the guy on the team. So mentally, I felt confused as shit. I'm like, am I supposed to be working on this or not? Like, and then I'm being told, you know, do what you're good at. And, 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 and it was a lot, you know, it was a lot. And this is where I say, like, I feel like some coaches in my AU program, I don't, I just say I feel like some coaches in my AU program failed me as a player because no, like, there's a lot of guys, man, we played with. And again, I, yeah, I just, it's really key. Like, a lot of, me. You know what I mean? There's a key that, again, Kev said, but everyone I played with, everyone I played with, I was one of the newest people in terms of playing organized basketball. So for them to know my story and to see, you know, my potential at the time, and I don't know if it was because there was players on me that on my team that were better than me, so they kind of had to just focus on a couple guys in lock-in is how I felt. But there was no real incentive to like mold me into the player I was supposed to be. And I felt that way. And it wasn't about me not wanting to, like I wanted to, but they would choose who they wanted to hold back after practice for an hour or invite to private workouts. Everybody didn't have that luxury, you know? And something that really bothers me about that too, when I'm looking back on, um, you know, AAU and high school basketball is a lot of these programs, you know, a lot of our parents, you know, my mom didn't have much, but she found a way to scrape up whatever she had to to pay for these programs. And when your parents are paying for these programs and their tournaments and your gear and your this and that, and you're not really being given the same opportunity as everyone on your team, mind you, yeah. there's always going to be your, people better. And your parents don't know better, right? You're right. That's your the parents, thing too. Cause exactly. They think that they're paying just, the money to, to put you there and get, give you everything you need. So exactly. Yeah. Like our, a lot of our parents just put us in sports just for some to do you know what i mean like there's very right. few parents that understood the or even like realized the opportunity especially the again, opportunity like, today right. as we speak about it when we're eight years removed from being like 16 and shit it sounds crazy but all these guys that you see now kind of started to come after when we were in like 16 like right, when right. our age group is kind of what or maybe plus or minus one year is kind of what started all these the guys wave. now that make it yeah so 100%. parents now who have kids that are 16 the league doesn't sound that crazy to them no, exactly. That's a, that's a serious possibility now because there's I can name twenty five guys. Yeah, a lot of guys now, man. And and right? the so like, crazy part is these guys are playing too. A lot of these guys, it's not like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We're not just talking about guys who made it to the NBA like before we had that, but we're talking about guys who are not if, if not stars, real players in this league. Dylan Brooks is a perfect For example real. of one of those guys, right? So it's Akeel, like it's Shai Gillis, Alexander, yeah, all of these guys, yeah, and it's. It's crazy. So, like, you have to go back to that time and understand the time that Damien was in when he's speaking about this because, like, the idea of making it to that spot was a lot more far-fetched than it seems not today. Right. And and something key that you just said, too, which is, you know, being educated about basketball, you can almost see it very much relates for the most part in most aspects outside of a couple guys to the few that made it from, like, our age group. Most of their parents – Played. understood a little bit more yeah, you played, know and had yeah. their hand in the works a little bit more the coaches my mom came here from jamaica whenever had me over here doesn't know nothing all she wants is me to have a good opportunity and for me it gets a little disheartening because a lot of coaches made a lot of empty promises and didn't really fulfill things um you know when i played for bounce my coach at the time promised my mom she would get me into d1 school which was within his power to do so by the way um but that's something he shouldn't do, though. Like a promise, that's something right. he probably shouldn't have done. Still. Right, something he probably shouldn't have done. And he told my mom, and I remember it was because uh, this is a crazy story. Me and my guys talk about it all the time. All my guys on my team, we went to Peach Jam. That's a really big Nike tournament, um, sponsored event. EYBL. Um, 
And we went to Peach Jam. And when we traveled, we didn't even travel with a whole roster. We probably traveled with like 10 guys. Uh, and at the time, my roster, you know, concluded of me, some familiar names that people will notice, Dylan Brooks, uh, Jamal Murray, uh, Techie, uh, Elijah Long. <laughs> Techie was a problem. Techie was a guy too, crazy. Uh, Cody John, Kimball, you know, most of these guys, Jalen Poyser, Alonzo Walk, like a lot of these guys I'm naming right now are even pros right now. And, you know, we travel with that team. And what, I remember the conversation where I had it with my coach uh about you know my mom had a conversation with him about being very upset she paid for my flight there she paid for my hotel there not every player on the team ever play, pays by the way i want you guys to know like that from now just being very transparent you know coaches and I, and this is where it gets tricky because i understand you know a lot of these coaches might see something in a couple of players where they feel like they have to invest into them uh to get them you know to the league and stuff so the shortcuts that they have to take and that's just a part of the business aspect of it i guess but you know, for me, it's like my mom paid a bag to send me on that trip. And I kid you not, me and maybe two other players didn't play one minute for four games straight. And for me, that was a big point in my AAU career where I just felt like this game was full of like in disingenuine people because it's like I'm not even telling you to start me. <laughs> I'm not even telling you ninth man, tenth man. I'm saying – there was four games we played and you didn't see one minute of any game where you could have used me. And that's fine if that's what you just felt like I wasn't that good. But at the same time, you cut me on your roster. I'm on the team and you told me to travel and other people didn't even come. So why did I go on the trip? So for me, in my mind, I'm looking at that trip and I'm thinking to myself, was did I come on this trip just so that my financial contribution could help cover the team's costs? Like, that's what I, it's looking at. That, that's you know? what it would look like for you. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, why did I come here? Because it's crazy. Like, you guys know me. I'm the social guy, too. The whole trip, I'm with the gang. I'm with my team. I'm having a ball. Like, where after th after games are done, I was the guy on my team because I hate smelly jerseys and shit. I would take everyone's jersey, throw it in a wash, tell man's give me a dollar each. I'm, I'm hustling. I'm doing whatever. I was having a fun time out there at my team. But every time game time came around, I'm warming up in the game, doing all kinds of dunks and warm up, doing everything. You know, the coaches in the gym, all kinds of D1 coaches, or the UK coaches, Kentucky, all these big schools are in there. And you know what I mean? Every time I tell myself, okay, when you get your time, just go out there, do your thing, play confident. I didn't touch the court one time in four days. And you know what the hard part about it and was? Yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Kev. Go ahead, Kev. No, I'm saying EYBL, like for those who don't know, that's that's it. Like if there's one place where you want to be and you want to play well, that's it. So for you to go there, right. I can imagine like, Going there, you probably had all these thoughts of what you're going to do when given the opportunity, no right. matter how big or small the opportunity is. Right. And to not play in, like, that's the biggest ball there is when it comes to, exactly. to AAU stuff. Yeah. And for me, you know, the part that's eating away at me the most of all of these things, you know, I talked about my motivation. My thing about it was I just want to put myself in a position where my mom can feel like, yo, my, my kid did this, and I can at least find a way to, like, make basketball pave me away. So, I felt like every game, every minute that I didn't touch court one time, I was being robbed. Like, that's how I felt. And I remember after the second game, because we played four games, I spoke to my coach about it, and he told me not to worry about it. And, you know, he has to do certain things a certain way, but not to worry about it. And we played two more games, and there was one time he even grabbed me by my shirt to sub me in and made me sit back down and then sub me in. And every day I would call my mom. My mom would call me and ask me how I played today. And every day I had to tell her I didn't play. And, you know, sometimes I kind of wish – Maybe I wasn't even talking to my mom because every time I talked to her, that kind of like mentally made me feel even worse about the situation. Uh, 
because it's like she's getting pissed off, you know, back home saying she's going to flame my coach and I'm telling her, just leave it, just leave it. Like, that's not going to help me, you know, just, it's not going to help me. Just let me get through to, maybe I'll play tomorrow. Maybe I'll play tomorrow. And after that trip went down, like I was so cheesed, uh, me and a couple players were cheesed. Um, a lot of us were upset, but one thing about me, as you guys know, I always speak my mind, you know? So I remember we we're at the trip and our coach kind of read, you know, our energy. Uh, and we had a team meeting and he asked like, what's up? Like, what's going on? And it's crickets in the room, but if someone's going to talk, it's going to be me. So I just basically said like, you know, like came out here and some fuck shit go on you know what here. I mean? I wanted the opportunity <laughs> to play and like, I just haven't played at all. You know, like, I just feel like, why did I come? And whatever, whatever. And, you know, he just kind of tried to speak positively and, and said all the right things he should have said to be politically correct. Or I can't really argue with the man, but I didn't change the agenda. Um, and that was it. That was the end of that trip. But when I came back from that trip, I told myself, I'm not playing for that organization no more. So, so, so how do you, like, how do you push past that, right? Like, you stepping away, that was a, like, that's a while ago. We're talking, what, right. like, eight years ago? Like, so when you look back on it, like, what do you look at and say, like, you would have told yourself back then or you tell a player, like, a younger player now who's going to go through the same thing? For one, I would I would try to advise, you know, whether it be yourself or your parents or just try your best to have somebody that understands the the game yeah, in your corner. Um, and just when you have a person that you trust, just confide in them and just trust them. Because for me, there's a lot of trust given out to people I didn't know better than to give. Like, I didn't know anything, you know, but... It was the only people I knew. And to me, you know, a lot of my, you know, confiding in, you know, these coaches was based off of like su success record. Like you said, like I'm playing on an organization that was producing at the time, the only NBA players coming out of Canada. Like Facts. we had Anthony Bennett go number one, you know, however situation played out, it played out, but you went number one. We had Wiggins, Wiggins. that was next up. You know what I mean? We had Tristan, Xavier, Thompson. Tristan Thompson. We had Xavier at the time that was, you know, flirting with making it to the league. The G oh, league. Rathon Mays, right? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, we had if you didn't, all, at the time. If you didn't come through bounce, you weren't. You weren't like, going to anyone the league. that came through. Yeah, bounce like yeah. You couldn't be going league and not come through bounce at that. Time. Right, right. And you know, and then you know, this is around my time this year. This is when Jamal started taking off too, because Jamal was my teammate, so he started getting crazy looks too. So the hardest part for me is like. I have a Everyone coach else my, is eating, fam. Yo, I have a coach you in my ear telling me, humble. you know what I'm saying? And listen, I could evidently say too, Jamal was always better than me. Dylan was always better than me. But, you know, I I had I had to think in my mind at the end of the day, like, my coaches are in my ear telling me not to worry. Like, look at what we're doing over here. This is a ship that's moving. Like, we're going to get everyone fed. And as, as Kev just said, like, at the time, if you weren't on that, you know, that wave, like, okay, you probably weren't making it to the league. So, these guys are telling me all the right things, like really like making me feel as if like, don't worry, like there's enough out here. We're going to get you fed. And they're telling you stuff like, yo, these players right now, they have a buzz. But yo, when coaches come to watch them, they're coming to watch you. And they're saying all the things to you and your parents that are making you believe like, why would I leave? You know what I mean? Like I can go to another team and kill, but they're not getting the looks. You know what I'm saying? We had a Caribana Classic event where we had D1 coaches coming to Canada when I, in my age group. Like that kind of shit was unheard of, you know? So. I just kept telling myself, you know, you have to, you know, you know, figure out what your best situation was. And at the time, I thought sticking with this organization was the best thing. And, you know, looking back in hindsight, I don't know if leaving was the, a better thing for me or not. But I was just tired of being in that position because mentally it was exhausting. So I left uh, and I went to play for, uh, uh, to be honest, when I left, there was like some type of like 
bidding war going on between me and a new team at the time called the association, which ended up being called Canada elite later on. And then, um, Northern Kings, which is up and coming so, too. And, yeah, I remember that. you know, these two coaches were both in my ear telling me like, come to our team, you know, what's going on over there. We're going to take care of you here. And there's a bunch of stuff going on. And then, you know, this is where ego and, and not the right guidance can really, can really screw you because the association, the team that I was getting offered to play with was evidently the better team. Um, in terms of player and roster rise. But I went with Northern Kings off of them pitching it to me that their team isn't as strong, but that gives me room to dominate and be the guy to get the looks I wanted. Um, and I wasn't at all thinking about nobody else uh, whatsoever. I was just thinking, okay, if I'm going to be able to do what I need to do, get me over there. And I went over there, and my experience there was almost worse than bounce. Um, and it wasn't, again, because of, roster or anything like that I, i'm not really sure what it was about um but you know something that i think honestly in all my years of playing basketball including post you know secondary i really believe a lot of it has to do with my attitude in a sense of not a bad teammate or player but i'm very like loud and competitive and i don't care about what no one says and i don't know if that rub certain players or coaches the wrong way but you know when I played on Northern Kings, there was a lot of instances where coaches are dealing with me a certain way, and I know it's nothing basketball related, and I wasn't sure why. Um, but even with that being said, there was a lot of like inappropriate situations that were happening on Northern Kings. For example, I'll give you guys like two or three gems. My coach at the time that was driving us, this guy's falling asleep behind the wheel. I don't know what he was doing the night before us traveling, but he's falling asleep behind the wheel. Uh, at the time, I was one of the only players on the team that had a G2. I, I had to take over the car, and I was driving us to, to the state that we need to go to for a tournament for hours while my coach was sleeping. As a player, I was doing this, you know? Um, this guy lost his keys on one of our trip, had it, in his suitcase, had it in his suitcase the whole time, didn't know that. I guess he was drinking because he was a drinker. He didn't know. So on our way to our games, you know, I'm waking up extra early, driving a group of guys to the gym, coming back, and driving the next group of guys to the gym. While he stays in coaches, I like make sure everyone's there. Uh, and at the end of the trip, this this guy found his the keys in his suitcase, and it's like this. I was doing at a young age where I'm doing everything I can to be the team guy and a team player, and it still wasn't translating on the court. Um, and I just felt like I was exploited in so many ways because in my heart, I'm just generally a nice, giving person. And even on you know that same team I had, there was one time where we were playing in, in Las Vegas, Fab Forty Eight. And at the time, I had a girlfriend, and she traveled with me because it was her birthday. Um, so we did something that wasn't really traditional, but, you know, technically you stay with your teammates in their room. But, you know, my girlfriend's mother and her came down, so I stayed with them. I don't think my coaches are very happy about that. So my girl would be coming with me to all the games. Um, and after one of our games, for absolutely no reason, we were talking about the game. I think we lost or something. And my coach is making a reference about me basically uh, and trying to say that like I'm trying to show up because my girl was there and just doing weird stuff, bringing her into the situation. It was completely like some shit that shouldn't be happening if we're talking basketball players and coaches, you know, I had a coach coach on my, on my, on the coaching staff tell me my, yo, the coach came to me and said, yo, Damien, I don't know who said this, but they said your girl got a nice ass. You know? Impossible. Shit like this what? is happening, bro. Impossible. I swear on my life, bro. I swear on my <laughs> life. Coach said that to you? Yeah, coach said that to me. And I'm 17, 18. A grown now, man. Right? That's a grown ass man. Grown right? ass man, right? And, and I'm 17, 18 around these times. Like, 
And I'm saying to myself, like, yo, what's going on? Like, what's happening here? Like, I'm driving my teammates to games. I'm bringing my girl on trips. Man's are talking to me about her ass. Like, am I playing for, like, a, a, are these, what are these guys, like, what, what are these guys trying to do for me right now? You know, like. That's actually insane. I Yo, I started just feeling like, you know, no matter where I go, I'm going to do some shit. And the worst part about it is, as, as you guys have said, like, you know, every year I was in basketball, I got better. So it wasn't for me like I'm trash. Like, I don't feel like I was ever trash compared to who was around me. Like, I don't ever feel like I was, I should have ever in any situation just not played, you know? With the exception of being on bounce, I had a lot of loaded guys. Like, even on those teams, understanding basketball, you find times for your guys to get in a rotation. There was guys in rotation that, you know, weren't better than me. You know what I mean? But. I just got so frustrated, bro, and I got really disheartened about the situation. But I said, yo, you know the end goal, end goal, end goal. So, again, I went and played for another organization my last year now. Played for Grassroots. Um, and this was, like, the only time, you know, I got a lot of PT. I just got to do kind of whatever I wanted. But you guys have to understand, at this point, my peak years instead of recruitment is kind of dead because now I'm like the oldest guy. You know what I mean? Now I'm like the oldest guy and people are looking at me like, yeah, buddy, you're supposed to be dunking everything. <laughs> what, what year is that? Like what year in high school are you in at that point? This would have been like I graduated. I went back fifth year. Oh, okay, okay. You know, because I have a late birthday, I could still come. So everyone's gone already still. Yeah, most guys are already gone, you know, yeah, or, or yeah. know where they're going. Yeah, yeah. So now, even though I'm getting looks from schools and stuff, they're looking at me and they're like, yeah, you're playing in this tournament. But, like, technically, you know, you're born, you know, November. You're older than you're not. You're in 96, you. Yeah, I mean, you're 96, even, if you're, even if you're, you know, late in the thing, you're exactly. still a 96, you. Exactly. So they're like, yeah, buddy, you're supposed to be bigger and Duncan. So you're doing good, but in their mind, it's not standing out versus, you know, the 16, 17 year olds that they feel like they have more room to work with. So because of that, like, it was very slim. Like, the only schools I can contact were the ones I had in my corner already, and, and we kind of really spoke about that and how I ended up choosing going post-grad. But it, it all trickled down, man. It went from Bounce to, 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 to Northern Kings to Grassroots. And one thing I would say from all those organizations, I was with Bounce the longest. Uh, and when it was time to go to school, a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about grassroots and, you know, Coach Rowe and whatever the case may be. But he was the only person that actually tried to assist getting me uh, into school. And my initial school that I got into um, in, 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 in Kansas, he, he helped get me there. So there was no help from any other coaches that I played for. Um, and that kind of hurt, too, because... Most of my recruitment came for initially was from, you know, the ties with those teams and those coaches. But at the time, I just said, yo, whatever dice I'm giving, I just got to play with those and just, you know, go on with my life and figure it out. And and then I already spoke about, you know, going to JUCO and, and, and D2 and all that. And after my D2 year, I was like, you know what? I redshirted. I didn't like the school I was at. I hated my life at that school. Uh, and something that people don't know, I came back home, actually. Uh, never lost a scholarship. I've never been kicked out of school. I know to a lot of people, it looks like, okay, he went to America. He wasn't doing shit. He came home. Like, when I was leaving my school, my coach was actually asking me to stay because, again, from the top of the year to the end of the year, my skill got way better. Like, at this point, you guys already know, this is when I'm coming home now. You guys are seeing my jumper. Like, this is right before that time. So, it was evident that, like, I could do damage, you know what I'm saying, and, and especially in the league I was playing in. Uh, so, he was asking me to stay. but. You know, my mom got sick, uh, and at the time, which they weren't really sure exactly what it was, but 
she had to get an emergency surgery. They need to remove some stuff from inside of her body that they were worried that could be cancerous. And I remember I got a call um, my second semester at that school, and I just booked myself a flight, my own bread right away. I hopped on a plane and I came home. Uh, and you guys know I have hella nieces and nephews that live with me. So when I came home and I see my mom like that, I only had like two or three months left in school. Uh, and the combination of being at the school and being uncertain of what I wanted to do. And I told myself, like, since I've been in America for two years, I'm way better than I was when I came here. And I said, okay, I could stay here, D2. I could try to transfer up again. Or I can go CIS and just kill all these guys because these guys can't see me now. Because at this point, I'm, I'm my size that I am. CIS is undersized. I'll be able to play the wing. I just dominate over here. Like, nobody can see me. That's That, that was my mentality. And I'm looking at rosters back home and I'm seeing certain players on certain teams and stuff. And I'm seeing very few people that I feel like were at my caliber, at least in the OUA where I was. Uh, and very few people that, you know, I was I would, you know, consider like being worrisome. And the few players that I did see, uh, I'm like, these are my guys, too. So this is love. Like, you know, if I come back and compete against these guys or with these guys, this is good. Like, so I was, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I announced officially I'm going to transfer. Um, I didn't even notice at the time, but when you when you with, get your withdrawal papers from your school, uh, you get entered into like a transfer portal, so all the coaches in the NCAA could see that you're you know you're yeah. able to to come. So I started getting calls from coaches, and I saw certain people on Twitter tweeting about me saying that it's open for transfer. And I didn't even know like how these guys know. I didn't even announce this. Like how do people know this? Didn't know there was a portal at the time. So I'm getting calls from other D two schools now. Some other schools are calling me. Um, I reach out to the school, again, the same D1 schools I had been talking to for the last three years. Um, but when I was in high school, these CIS schools, Western uh, and a few others were really trying to recruit me. But, you know, my thing was always trying to get out of here. So after a lot of conversations, a lot of long nights, you know, sleepless nights and everything, I just told myself, yo, if you go back home, these guys are on your nuts, pause. Like, they're going to give you what you need and what you've always deserved, which is a time to shine. Like, not play behind nobody, you know? And I felt like it doesn't matter if I play CIS or not. If I'm given that freedom to play and just show my talent, it'll pay off and I'll find a way to go pro. Whether it be league, I'll find a way to go pro. That's what I was telling myself, you know? And I said, that's all I need is an opportunity to play. Then I also told myself, in terms of your mom's, Instead of being in a whole other country away, like you know, she's yeah, sick. Close. I can You're just the oldest up. ones, though. and you've yeah, always you know been that, I mean? that, that, the, the 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 head of the spots, though. Right, from, right. From I always knew you, so yeah. You're right. So I, I'm thinking, like, from that standpoint, like, it's two birds, one stone type shit. Like, you get to be close to home and help up with your dukes, but you still get to play and kill over here because you know you get to do what you got to do. So I came home, fam, and I decided, okay. At the time, it was Nipissing and Western that was my top two. But I said to myself, uh, if I'm coming back home, I'm not going to Nipissing to be three and a half hours away in the middle of nowhere. If I'm going to come, I'm going to come to Western. I came home and I went to Western. And everything started off exactly how it was supposed to be. Uh, we had our preseason games. I'm dropping 30, like tri almost triple-double. Like one, one, one stat shot, like a triple-double in two games back-to-back. -back. Like everyone's gas tweeting about me. Everything's lovely, bro. And... I don't know what took a tip for the turn, but about halfway through the season, me and my coach just couldn't get along. Like, and I didn't know what it was about. And now, bro, you have to understand, 
at some point I'm starting to look at myself and I'm be like, yo, the problem must be me because yeah, that's that's the question I was gonna ask you. Right, like if you're having a problem with a problem, with one person is cool, but if you're having a problem every stop of the way, like at some point you gotta look at yourself right. and say, like, what am I doing? Wrong? So I'm thinking to myself, the problem must be me because. You know, my first school, I didn't really have issues with my coach, but that situation didn't plan how I wanted to, injury and whatnot. My second school, I didn't really like my school. There was no real beef with my coach, but I didn't like that situation either. Now I'm here at this school, and I'm having these issues with my coach. Like, the problem must be me. So I started talking to my assistant coach and other people, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. And this is where it gets so tricky because I'm convincing myself there's something I'm not doing or something I am doing that's causing these outcomes. And that's the way I'm trying to look at it now. But I'm having, like, my assistant coach tell me, like, yo, it's not, you're not doing anything wrong. Coach is just bugging. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. And he's just bugging. And I'm saying to myself, no, bro, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, basketball-wise, again, this is not the issue. Basketball is not the issue. Because I'm telling you guys, I'm playing and I'm dropping buckets and I'm helping us win games. And my minutes are going down. So I didn't know what to do. So I'm talking. And, you know, and you know something I also realized, to be honest with you guys, I said this earlier and I said, you know, I always speak my mind. And if there's one thing I would say is being more um, preserved with how much I spoke my mind, because I think that I stepped on a lot of coaches toes, telling them how I feel all the, all along the way when I should have just kind of held down certain shit and just let it rock, you know? And I think that by doing that, a lot of coaches felt, uh, I don't want to use the word threatened, but like I was challenging. You know, yeah, what like I mean? you weren't a good soldier, is what right? you're saying. And I felt like because they felt as if I was challenging, like they found ways to make it a point to me that they run shit. You know what I mean? Because outside of that, I couldn't make sense of what's happening. Basketball wise, was not, basketball was not the thing anymore, guys. I'm telling you, like the jumper was here, like the, the athletic ability was still all time high. Like you could come to the gym and easily look at my roster and be like, yeah, this guy's one of the top players on this team. So. You know, I just couldn't make sense. Um, and after a couple of times, but, you know, the hard part about it, too, and this is why, you know, checking on your mental is crazy because I just recorded a song about this 40 hours ago. But checking on your mental health is really important because you guys have to understand. And, now, you know, and before you go on that, right, because I remember when, when Kev was messaging me saying, like, you know, what else am I going to should I add this, you know, to discuss with you? And because, like, obviously, like, I know I, I know you and I don't know the entire details of everything, but obviously I know you. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the things that I'm always, like, you know, because I know how much struggles that you did go through. And I, that's mm-hmm. what I told him. I was like, yo, you would have to ask him, like, the mental health aspect of it. Because there's only right. so much times where you can hear no or there's only so much times you can see. And, yes, no, no one's a hater. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one's a hater. Trust me. You're with mans. And, obviously, you want mans to do well because, like, they are teammates. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. but at right. the same point, it's like. But I want to play too. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like that makes you a hater. I feel like it's just that that's just the you're natural human aspect. Still. You're yeah, you're a human. Time. Like, 100. so it's like you see, you see, you, you spoke about bouncing. You see all these people, bro, like going places. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you're here through all these struggles, and now you're here again. Your mom is going through it with the health. Fam. You're back over here just when you felt like shit was pushing off. You're back yep. down again. So it's like, right. how do you? How do you? You know how do you set your mind up in a way that you're telling yourself like it's going to be okay or you're you're, because at this point niggas are all in you know you're all in on this goal you see what i'm saying you know and this is where again until i remove myself from my basketball world i didn't notice how 
my impression was coming off to a lot of people. And the impression was coming off that way because truth be told, in, in the moments that I was going through this, this was truly how I felt. Like, I didn't really care about anybody else, what's going on. Like, not to say I don't care about my teammates, but I was so locked into, like, my why. Like, my reason and everything I've been through. Like, I felt like I deserved everything that should have came to me. Like, I... And, and and this is where it gets it gets really sticky because in my world, I'm I'm tallying up all the years of being cut short, all the years of not being given an equal opportunity, all the years of putting in hard work where no one sees, all the times I'm putting up shots, no one cares about. And and I'm coming to the gym now and, and I'm and I'm on my team, I'm looking at my roster, and I'm seeing people coming their first year of college, not even doing half the work I'm doing and maybe having a bigger opportunity than me, or whatever the case may be, like Coaches are playing certain guys for whatever reason. And I'm saying to myself, like, I've put in the work I deserve to play. You know what I mean? And it's something that I think started happening at Western, to be honest, why I think my relationship with that coach went downhill when we stopped playing. I'm letting everyone in the gym know when I'm busting their ass. And my, I think that culture at that school, I think I was threatening to the culture. And when I say that was... Things started becoming contagious, and you guys know how I am. I'm 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 out the lip like when I'm having fun competitive, and I guess the way that coach was was you know I I don't I I don't want to say it's because he's white or anything like that, but Western is a place in London, Ontario, in Canada, and that's very that, different. You know it's that culture different. wasn't what I became molded to because I'm coming from America, right? And I'm playing on all these teams. Although I went to school in Tennessee, my whole basketball team was black and these guys are coming from most of them from the south because i was in school close to the south so these guys are coming from florida these guys come from atlanta and places like that you know i'm playing with guys all these guys and the culture is very rough in your face like yelling like coaches don't break up anything guys can almost damn near fight fist fight in practice and you know it, 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 that's just the culture so i came back with that kind of energy and i think i was looking like an alien on the team because Everyone else is just shooting shots and counting 20, 21, but I'm shooting shit and I'm like, I'm yelling, you know, or I'm, or I'm scoring, I'm ripping the ball away from someone, I'm in someone's face. But like, for me, that was just me being competitive. And I feel like that started making people look at me like I thought I was better than I was, or I thought I was this and that. When really, I'm just, I'm just playing how I've been molded to play, which is just be a, a dog eats world competitor and and i assume you had to learn how to play like that because you came from canada exactly. you spent a couple of years so for you to have to learn to play like that and then come back and right. then readjust i think personally i think like you explaining it i think you probably came across as a bad teammate right sense, right right but that's right. just you after years and years of being cut short like i understand how you got to that point but when you do sit back and look at it you're, you're gonna look like a bad teammate because if you're, you know, on guys' ass anytime you score on them and they're not giving it back to you, like right, you look you like know? the only guy. You look like the only guy in the gym doing like a bully that. Still, you're a bully. You're a bully. Yeah, you look like the only guy in the gym doing that. Yeah. And the crazy yeah. thing is, between me and my teammates on the one way, when practice is done, we're all good. We're all laughs and giggles. Yeah. But yeah, I guess yeah. to the coaching staff, they're thinking that this guy, like this guy's a poison. Man. This guy's just on the team bullying these youths. Like he's ripping the ball from people, looking at people on the floor, telling them, like you know what I mean, like. And I'm not looking at it like this, but the other thing about it too, guys, this is where I always. You know, I, I gave myself the critique when I removed myself, but I also still feel like, you know, I'm in a situation with a lot of coaches as grown men that just couldn't didn't have conversations with me about these things. You know what I mean? Didn't articulate what the issue was and took it out on me in ways of cutting PT and, and even harming our team's success to try to make a point to me when it was just a matter of 
a conversation, you know? And this is where it's crazy because I left Western. I went to McMaster, but I'm going to tell you why I left Western. From October, no, from the end of October until uh, December, every game my minutes went down. As my minutes went down, my production went down. But for the time I was getting, you could still see my 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 my, my production was making sense. So even I was even doing a you know better than I should have been doing in those in those minutes. And um, you know, as I said, guys, I always speak my mind, and that kind of hurt me too because I'd be in practice doing certain shit and like killing certain shit, and I'd be letting the coach know, like you know what I mean, like you're not playing me, like this is crazy, like look what's <laughs> like letting them know, like I'm killing these guys right now, like what are you saying to me, like you're not playing me, like are you crazy, like you know, yeah, I'd be letting them know, um, and for me again, you know, the the culture at my last school, we have coaches and we're doing that, and coaches are gassing you to do that. Gas is like coaches. That is a kind of conversation that like it gets the energy lit in the gym. But over here, I feel like he felt like I was stepping on his toes, you know. So this is where I cut my ties with Western. Um, the last game before Christmas break. It's crazy. I'll never forget this because I was playing my girlfriend's school at the time. She went to Nipissing. Nipissing came to our school, and at the whole time, you know, a lot of guys. I remember my options were to go to Nipissing and Western. So this game was really important for me for that too because I had to show these coaches like, "What's up?" Like. I'm here. And they're looking at you like right, this nigga turned right. us down for this. Right. So, you know, I went from starting. I started a whole first half of the season. I went from starting. So I we're playing Nipissing now. As I said, my minutes are going down and down. This is the end of December. So now at this point, I'm probably averaging like 60 minutes a game, probably like 60 minutes a game. But I went from playing like 28, 30 minutes a game, right? So Nipissing comes, the first quarter comes, I don't play. Second quarter comes, I don't play. Third quarter comes, I don't play. This is my girlfriend's school too. You guys have to understand too. My pride at this time, I'm getting touched different because my girls in the crowd watching. You know, guys at her school are probably talking shit to her, all kinds of shit. I'm getting cheese. And again, guys, I'm not shit at this point. Like I'm not garbage, you know. So I'm cheesed, you know. So I'm in the stand. I'm in, I'm on the I'm on the bench, cold as ever. Like the whole game, cold as ever. Like I said to myself, Yo, I'm not going in today, and I'm I'm done with this coach now because basketball wise, I don't deserve this. Like if there's an issue with me, holler at me about that. But Facts. for you to, you know, I've been having conversations. The thing about it is all the way up until that point, I've been reaching out to them, asking them like, what's going on? Why I'm not playing? Facts. You know, and he's telling and, me, oh, and obviously, and obviously they know the talent because you've done, you've done display the talent, you know what I'm exactly. saying? So it must be something different. Exactly. And on top of that, you super, super, super wanted me to get there. Like you, yeah. you really wanted me to get there. So I'm I'm asking the coach along the time. I've had numerous conversations with the coach, like what's going on, why I'm not playing, and he never gave me a reason why I'm not playing outside of just telling me like he's just doing what's best for the team, and there's nothing against you, like you're fine, you know, just keep doing your thing. I'm just you know working with different things or whatever the case may be. So whenever I, I, when a coach tells you that, you can't really argue with him if he's saying he's doing what's best for the team. It's not that I'm doing anything wrong, like whatever. But I knew that was bullshit, you know. So yeah. anyways, the fourth quarter comes, guys. The whole game goes down up until the last minute of the game. He tried to sub me in for a guy that played almost all game just to get the guy off the court because we we're going to lose, right? And you guys have to understand, like, I'm going from being the starter, the main attraction of my team, to you telling me to sub in for a guy that's, like, whatever. You know, you want me to sub in for this guy so that he can come out and watch the game from the bleachers. So when the assistant coach came and told me that the head coach called me for a sub, I told him I'm not going in, you know? And when I said that, that's tough, though, brother. No, so let me tell you what happened. So that's when I tough, said that, though. That's tough. So that's it's tough. tough. It's tough. It's tough. So let me tell you. When I said that, you know, my nigga, you guys know Omar Shidu, 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's on the team and he's my guy. And he's been talking to me all the time. Like, these guys are dealing with you, fam. You don't deserve this. The whole time, like, fam, it's the idiot thing. Like, you're, you, fam, you know. He's this, a legend over there, too, right now. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah. He, he just became a uh, leading scorer still. He became yeah. an all-time leading scorer, you know. But yeah. even that year, let me tell you, that year, I mean, Omar, Omar wasn't playing. Like, Omar didn't get a lot of playing time that year. Yeah, I, I remember he wasn't, like, he he didn't come on the scene and he wasn't yeah. immediately producing He still. didn't get a yeah. lot of numbers that year either. So even him, like, he was going through a lot of the similar things mentally I was going through. But, you know, he's a very quiet, preserved person. I'm not, you know? So he found a way to, you know, his situation worked out for him. I'm happy for him. That's my brother. But, you know, when I said I wasn't going in, Omar's just in my ear and he's telling me, yo, bro, fam, I know it's an idiotic fam, but you can't give these guys a reason. You know yeah, what I mean? Don't you these can't guys give a reason. Them a reason so. You know, so he's like, fam, I know this is bullshit, fam, but just go in there, fam. Like, you know what I mean? You don't have to do nothing, but just check in, fam. Don't say you're not checking in because from the from time you say that, imagine going to run with the narrative that you're being uncoachable and you're this and you're that. So whatever, I went in there, fam. Oh, uh, the inbound of the ball. I maybe had the ball for like 30 seconds. I passed it back off to somebody else. The game was done. We lost. After that game, again, my mom's watching these games from home sick in her bed, you know. And my mom calls me. What happened? I said, Mom, I don't know what happened. You know, he said, like another game you didn't play a lot and you didn't play at all this game until the very end. Why did he do that to you? And I said, Mom, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I try to talk to him. I don't know what's going on. And my mom's like, yo, you might as well just, you know, if you're going to play for this guy, I don't know. But if you're not interested in playing this for this guy, you might as well save your second half of the year and just make another move. I said, fam, mom, I move again. The narrative's going to be whether people know the truth or not. It looks like I'm getting kicked out of all these schools. Yeah. Regardless if I'm leaving voluntarily or not, it's looking like, oh, no school wants him. And I said, mom, you have to understand, like, that's the narrative is going to be, especially because at least this one, I, me and the coach are not banging with each other. You know, these other schools in America, no one's going to call these schools from America and talk to them. But at least in the CIS world, they're going to talk to this guy and he's going to say whatever he has to say about me. So, you know, I, mom, I don't know what to do, but, you know, I'm not happy here anyways. And, you know, whatever. So, again, fam, I'm at a crossroad where I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I sat down. I drafted a two-page letter, guys, right, to write to my coach from Western. Uh, and the reason I decided to do that is because there was a lot of things happening at the school in terms of basketball and everything else that wasn't wasn't right, you know, it wasn't right. And, um, you know, things that I don't really wish to get into too tough, but there was a lot of things under the table that were happening behind the scenes or if you weren't really involved at the head front of the basketball team, you wouldn't know. And along with how he was dealing with me basketball-wise, how he was dealing with me opportunity-wise at the school and all kinds of stuff. Just It just wasn't making sense. And it was no explanation because I, I was speaking to the guy about the thing the whole time and he would just look me in my face and say one thing and just do the opposite. So I drafted up this letter, kind of my exit letter, just to let him know, like, these are the things that I've dealt with you and I've tried to communicate with you. And, you know, the communication has been one way, but this is completely unfair. And I brought up my stats and I brought up, you know, everything or the case may be. And I, and, and I, and I cut. Um, and I will never forget when I went to go talk to them that day, I asked him to meet him um, before going home for Christmas break. I asked to meet him. We had a meeting. I had the letter in my bag. And part of me told me, give this guy the letter first, uh, just so that everything you had to say, he knows you already had this in your mind. It's not a matter of you rebuttaling to anything he says. Uh, and I hesitated. I didn't give him anything in writing. I had the letter in my bag in the folder. I didn't give it to him. I just asked him, like, if he wanted to start because I had a lot of things to say. 
And I guess at this point he kind of read my energy and, you know, I had, I had initially refused to sub in that game. So this guy looked at me and he said to me that um, the reason I'm not playing on his team is because I'm not good enough to play at this level. That's what he told me. He told me I'm not good enough to play at CS level. I can't shoot. I can't dribble. I can't score. And I, I'm just not good enough to play. And that's why he's not playing me. So He chose violence. You know, so fam, when this guy's saying this to me now, Christian, I don't even know how to respond to this guy because for me, I know he doesn't even believe that shit. That's insane. You know, I know he doesn't even believe this, fam. But he and I, I, I'm not, I'm not gassing it. He said all those things, you know, verbatim. He said all those things, and for me, it wasn't even a matter of that hurting my ego, fam. Because you have to understand, I know he doesn't mean that. Because I just, I, you just watched me drop thirty a couple times. You watch me. You know what I mean? Be one of your leading scorers before you took my PT. So you can't believe that. But what hurt me is that you guys have to understand, you know, seeing is believing. The narrative this guy's going to paint of me. Yeah, you know? he, can tell, he can tell people that stuff. That's and when the they thing. go and look at numbers, and when they go look at your playing time, the narrative will match the, the, the numbers. So for me, what's eating at me now is like, this guy knows I'm off this, but he has the final job because the way his word's going to hold more weight than me saying... I don't know why this coach isn't playing me, especially regardless of hearing my, you know, we've been talking for an hour now, regardless of hearing my whole story, all you know is that this guy went to this school, he went to this school, he went to this school, now he's leaving this school and this coach says this. So the narrative is the only thing that matters. And for me, I'm like, yo, this guy's this guy is crazy. Like, he's going to try walking around acting like I'm just trash and make my recruiting much harder for me because at this point, guys, I'm going into year four. and I haven't been at one school for a whole year yet, right? Yeah, you've been, it's, and at right? this point, it's like, come on. So, so at this point, it doesn't matter about why these things are happening. You know, I yeah. mean, I went Juco, I was there, I played half a year. I went D1, D2, I redshirted. I came back home, I played my third year, I only played half the year, I quit the team, right? So, you know, ironically enough, my assistant coach that hired me, I mean, not hired me, that recruited me, um, he was always in my ear telling me the good things and telling me like he doesn't know what's going on and trying to talk to the coach for me. And, you know, on the one way he looked out for me a lot and he ended up losing his job over me. I'm pretty sure it was over me. Like it's not concluded, you know what I mean? And I won't spread any propaganda, but, you know, the fight of trying to like look out for me, he ended up losing his job and, you know, without confirming it, that's the gossip around, you know, the basketball community up there is that it was over that. And when I left, you know, shortly after he got rehired, and um, I ended up leaving Western, and I and I left Western, and I left with that fire in me of this coach just told me I'm not good enough to play CIS, and I and I want you guys to understand again everything we spoke up until at this point, like about the mental aspect of pushing myself to become better and better, to come home, to know that I can dominate here, to starting to dominate, to be told I'm not good enough to play in a lower level competition than I was already playing you know what i mean i'm so i'm like yo i don't care where i'm going wherever i'm going if i ever see this guy's team i'm i'm lighting them you know what i mean so here i am again at a crossroads saying to myself yo whole thing is to be close to moms you already serious now going back to america's dead uh all right what other school are you gonna go to bro because it is what it is or do you just want to graduate school and not play basketball no more you know but you guys also have to remember like I'm going to open runs, and I'm evidently nine times out of ten one of the best players in the gym. I'm, I'm playing against my guys that are D1 when they come home, some of my guys in the NBA, and 
You know what I mean? That has to be frustrating, bro. Because, like, aside from the part where, like, you know, you played beside them and you thought, you know, you're, if, if you're not better than them, you're close enough to the point where you should be. When you, if they're coming right. back and you're either playing with them right. or you're busting their ass, like, that alone has to be frustrating. Where they are is, it's, like, miles different from right. where you are. It's not even just, like, one level. Right. So you have to understand it's, like, and this is why, you know, a lot of people don't understand, and this is why my coach didn't understand my loud and proud energy. It's like when they go like, I constantly, like, not even looking for re reaffirmation from anybody, but for me in my own heart, like, I just know how much I killed, like, f- to be better. Like, you know what I mean? And I just know how far I went to the point where it's like, I always felt like I was robbed of certain stuff. So, like, when I'm competing and having fun, even if it's just for that hour, as soon as you guys know, as soon as I'm done playing, I'm laughing on the side. Like, I'm just doing whatever. But while I'm on the court, like, I'm just always trying to kill. And and the reason is because, like, I felt as if, like, I was just always slept on. Like, always slept on. So sometimes it's to the point where it looks like I'm overcompensating or I'm talking too much or I'm playing overly aggressive. But it's like, fam, in every instance that I've had, like, I've had no choice but to play that way because... You know what I mean? I had to find a way to 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 to, to make survive, fam. And, and mentally, that kind of aspect of my competitiveness is the only thing that even kept me in the game this long, from because I wanted to quit so many times because of dealing with this kind of shit. And to make it to Western, to produce for this coach, and to evidently be one of his best players, like without a doubt, like without a doubt, and to be told I'm not good enough to play, not even good enough to start. So I'm not good enough to play at the level, which is absolute garbage. Yeah, like no one could believe that. I'm just like, yo, this is crazy, fam. Like, and it just right. it made me just realize how much power again, like narratives, but coaches have in this. And yeah, I just look back on all the situations I was in, and I was like, yo, which coach actually stood out and 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 went to bat for me? You know? Yeah. Um. With that said, shout out to Mr. Williams still, because that's one of them we probably all attest to. But he he wasn't in a position to, you know, he was in a position to do much, but he did like what he could still. Yeah, exactly. More than what he could still. All right, so we're running out of time here, but there's a couple questions I want to get to. First, I want you to finish your story and explain um quickly like your time at um Mac. Yeah. All right. So I I knew how many years, first of all. Yeah. So I did my last two years at Mac. I only needed to do one to graduate, but I went uh, um Actually, no, I lied. Uh, some of the courses got mixed up when I came out from uh, Canada, so my timeline graduating got kind of mixed up. But I had two years eligibility left. I played my two years there. I graduated and I left. Um, I went to Mac. The coach that was there at the time, I knew them because when I was in high school, Ryerson was recruiting me, and he was an assistant at Ryerson, but he got the full-time job at Mac. I went there. Uh, it was my first black coach, too, and honestly, that doesn't sound like much, but um, I had played for, like, uh, a lot of different coaches and a lot of different things and I just feel like coming from a place as a minority like just trying to look out for my family coming from where I come where I grew up and he's from our ends like he understands my story a little bit more I felt a little bit more like understood and like I shared all of these things with him and he was like yo that's an idiot thing and you know what I mean he had his own opinion about those coaches and whatever I've been through but he just basically reassured me like talent wise that's bullshit and there's no way a man could have looked at you told you you can't play at this level that's an idiot thing and he just kind of showed me like yo we're going to get it figured out. You're good to go. Like, you're going to play. But the issue is, you know, you can only play second half of the year because I played first half of the year at Western the year before. So I can only start January. Um, so my whole first semester at Mac, my first year, I couldn't play. However, in practice, I was back, you know, back on my bullshit. Like, I was busting everyone's ass. 
us playing competitively. I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, but you know, for the first time, this culture doesn't seem as if it's threatening to anybody because I'm playing with a bunch of guys and a coach that's living off of the energy too. So that energy was lit. Like it was contagious. Like we started competing, like everyone's getting better. Everyone's, you know, having fun and it was lit, you know, nothing was taken personally and whatever the case may be. So for the first time I felt, you know, like I could just be myself basketball wise, my competitiveness and not offend nobody. Everything went good my first year, to be honest. Um, I didn't start and it was respectfully, you know, because um, whoever he had started um, the first half of the year, you know, he had a couple guys that would been there for a few years and then he had his young recruits and he started me a couple of times. But if I didn't start, I was six man off the bench easily every time. And I didn't really care because I was one of those situations where I wouldn't start off of like respecting whatever lineup he has, but I will come in and still end up playing more than most of the starters. Like I would still be averaging a lot of minutes. Um after my first year, uh, I finished top four in all of our rankings in terms of like our shooting percentages, our, our field goal percentages, uh, rebounding and, and minutes. So it, it, I played half the season, like, you know, only like over your head. And I still was like top, top of the charts numbers wise uh, in comparison to most players that played the whole season. So it was only basically our main point guard uh, and our main forward and one of our star recruits that was playing, you know, better than me numbers wise. So that was good, you know? So my first year went by, everything was smooth and I had it made up in my mind. Like my last year is going to be my year because I was able to accomplish a lot in half the season. I have a good relationship over here with everyone. Uh, so my next year is going to be it. Um, I had some complications that happened. I came, I was promised a academic scholarship. Um, over here, it works a little different, but you know, once you have a certain grade level, you can get a scholarship. When I came my first year, I didn't get the scholarship. Um, they claim I couldn't get the scholarship because as a transfer in, your uh, your grades have to be at a higher point level than a student that was already there. Um, but they said this to me all after the fact anyways, after awarding other people the scholarship. So I was already skeptical as if that's a real shit or just bullshit because I was told I was going to get it. Part of me going there, you know, I was going to get it. Because uh, obviously, you know, over here in OUA, it's different. You ha you still have to get your OSAP if you can't pay for school in full and whatever other bursaries you can get from your school. But at this point, it's just loans we're taking to pay back our degrees. So, you know, not getting a 2000 or $4,000 is a big deal. So I wasn't too happy about that. But it is what it is. I just told myself, okay, I can keep my grades high. I'll get a scholarship next year. So my last year now, I'm at Mac. And I go to get my scholarship. And... I'm being told, don't worry, we're going to get it under the works. Don't worry, we're going to get it under the works, blah, 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 blah. I ended up not getting my scholarship again. Me and the coach kind of got into it. And we got into it because I'm saying to this guy, like, this is the second year in a row where you promised me something and it wasn't given to me. And you know my story. You know what I'm fighting for. You know my financial situation and you know everything about me. So to be in a situation where the relationship is now, our trust is being, like, tampered with, like, I don't feel happy about that because I've confided in you so much just f to seem like you're, you're pulling a fast one on me. Like I've already been through all these situations, you know? So he told me, all right, don't worry. Like, I'm gonna find a way to help you out. Like, don't worry. I understand what you're saying. I'm gonna find a way to help you out. Again, you know, things outside of basketball started affecting my basketball. And this wasn't a matter of my attitude or my, you know, how I came off as a teammate. It was a matter of, my commitment to basketball and only basketball, I think. And the reason I say that is um, I told you guys, a lot of it is supporting my family at home and being a role model to a home, but helping my mom that's sick. Like financial, you know, making money was very important to me. Uh, and when I'm not getting the scholarships, you know, and I'm not getting the things to help ease that pressure, 
I still have to find ways to come up with bread to help myself and help my family, you know, because over here, like, my rent is not being paid for, uh, you know, and helping out my mom, money has to come from somewhere. So the money I would have taken as my scholarship to slap on my rent so that, you know, the little change I make, I can help. I couldn't do that. So I had to make more than what I anticipated needing to make because I was banking on getting the scholarship bread. So, you know, I also work in the nightclub industry uh, and I got into that uh, in the summers of me coming home. Uh, and that life started really messing up my basketball life because it wasn't, it wasn't hindering my performance. It wasn't hindering anything about it. But I think, you know, the impression or like the way it looked to a lot of people yeah, yeah. was that... I'm not a dedicated basketball player. Like, you know, because to be honest, my, this is my situation. It would be like this. I would be saying to this guy, like, yo, I need some help with bread. I need some help with bread. I'll be promised he's going to help figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. He's not figuring it out. So I'm saying to myself, okay, boom. If I can go to the nightclub and make a couple hundred dollars tonight, like, that's what I got to do. Like, I got to pay rent. And I got to help out myself and I have to help out my mom. Like, it is what it is. So I would never say no to any opportunity of making money. Any Anyhow, I can make money, I wouldn't say no to it. If it was working a job, I would go home and work part-time in Brampton and come back. Like, I did whatever I had to do. And that's kind of getting bad because I would finish a game at 10 p.m. in Hamilton and drive to the nightclub and work, come back up the same night and go play another game tomorrow. And along with working in a nightclub, you know, and the stigma that's associated with that, a lot of times, you know, there's a partying aspect of me partying in, in, in these clubs. And I think I was getting looked at now like as a party per, a party person, you know, which indeed it was a scenario, but regardless of it impacting my performance or not, I think it's just a stigma associated with looking like I'm on a roster and I'm partying every weekend versus trying to make it as an athlete. And I think that kind of started painting a picture of how I was being, you know, looked at or understood. But the thing about it is like, I'm crying out for help over and over saying like, this is my situation. I need paper. Like I need it and I need help. And, you know, things are being promised to me. And and, and I even got offered, you know, coach told me, okay, I'll hook you with a job at school. I said, anything you do to help me make money, I could take more time away from this. But right now this is my cash. Like I need to do what I have to do. Uh, and that transparency was there, you know, and no help was there. So for the whole season, like the whole season, any games we had in the ends, Immediately after games, like I'm rushing to get out the chain room so I can go work. Um, I think that rubbed people the wrong way or rubbed my coaching staff the wrong way. Uh, you know, there'll be times where I'm not on the bus because I had to drive my car to the game so that when the game is done, I could drive my car. Mm -hmm. So and instead of being on the bus with, the, with my teammates, I had to drive myself. I think that rubbed my coaching staff the wrong way. Uh, and I think, again, you know, as we kind of mentioned earlier, despite the reason of me doing these things, it looks like I'm a teammate. Like I don't care about nobody and I'm a bad teammate. You know, all my teammates knew what the vibe was. Everybody rock with me on the one way, but in the end of the day, when you're doing media and you're taking all your players of your players on the, on the, on the, on the bus and you're getting players walk off the bus and you know, I'm not involved or whatever. It's like, I'm in my own world. And I think yeah. that played an aspect in terms of them being behind me. And again, it just became a situation where my PT just kept getting cut and cut and cut and cut and at this point guys like my love for the game is really 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 started digressing because at this point i was the best basketball player i've been uh, basketball wise but you know in my life i i couldn't find a balance uh and it affected my opportunities so things started going up you know downhill and i just started losing a lot of respect for the coach because 
he has choices and he had choices to put certain people in certain positions. And, you know, he had a player come on our team, transfer him from D1. Uh, he gave one of the players some scholarship money and he gave some scholarship money to another student of ours. Um, a few guys who weren't any more deserving of me. Um, and not that it matters, but like even one of the players in the instance, like in terms of his, you know, background and where he's coming from, like he has two parents that are, you know, he's very well off, lives in Oakville. Like he doesn't need money. His, his parents are helping pay for his school, but you know, the coach is deciding to give money to who he needs. And for me, like, I know it's not up to me to determine where that money goes, but for me, I felt like I was another minority that knows my whole story and knows the fight I'm fighting for my mom right now that's sick and I need to... You expected him to treat you differently. I treated him to do with me better. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% too is because on the one way, getting me to the school, we had this transparency and we had that trust. And for, for things to plan out the way it did, it's like we completely understood my situation and we spoke on it ahead of time for it not to be upheld. Um, and just to wrap this up, you know, after that year there, like, I felt completely drained with my love for basketball. And I had some people trying to tell me, you know, still go play pro, go play in the CEBL stuff and all this stuff because skill-wise, you know, I was still capable of competing and stuff. But I just grew tired of dealing with coaches and this situation because from school to school and situation to situation, like narrative to narrative, like no matter what it was, I just felt as if like there was no way to no real way to win. And I just always felt like, you know, I was trying, but until I removed myself emotionally from basketball, I was able to look back and be like, every point of the line, there was something on my end that was missing. You know, when I was at Mac, it was my commitment to only basketball. Like if I found a way to maybe like, maybe not worry so much about money and think more about myself and not my family, but just think about, you know, myself a little bit, like, okay, boom. I would be good. Or if I found another way to make money instead of the nightclub or when I was at Western, if maybe I adapted to the culture more than being such a like alien, maybe that would have worked out more. I just kept thinking about different things that I could have done. But at the same time, I just give myself props because I came a long way and I I was a person that figured out all of this through my own experience with no guidance whatsoever. So if there was one thing I would say, is that, you know, when you're going through this world, the you know, sports world that you're navigating, to go through all of those things I was going through and nobody GPSing me, like, I'm surprised I made it as far as I did. And I'm just proud of myself for never, like, giving up completely. I, I stayed the full course until I was done college and whatnot. And, you know, just really briefly, too, after I graduated, you know, the school, uh, I just was very transparent with the coach about how I felt. Uh and I just told him, like, you know, it just is bad taste. Like, it's distasteful that, like, you know, I trusted you, like, man to man. You know, um, you know my story and you promised me something. You didn't honor it. Um, and it's not cool, whatever the case may be, but it is what it is. Like, I wish nothing, you know, for the best for you, your family, your program. But my time is up. And I left. And, you know, his conscience, you know, was bothering him because every now and then he'll message me. And he'll try to reach out to me and ask me how I'm doing and, and, and talk to me, but I believe in him on red or ignoring him. And the reason being is like when you had, you know, the opportunity, an opportunity to yeah. actually be actively help me, you didn't help me. You did the opposite. You know, you did the opposite. And now that I'm out here in the real world now, whatever I have to do to stay afloat, 
you want to tap in and you want to check and you want to see how my mental is doing and you want to see how my family's doing. But you could have given me an opportunity to better prepare myself and take care of my family and you didn't do and, that. And to be clear, right, you're, you're not asking for anything. You're saying you earned it. Like I earned like it. That's the other thing too, right? I'm not even asking. You know, it's something that we ever established like, yo, you kept your grades high and yo, this is what you deserve. You're getting it, you know? And you just swept it from underneath me two years in a row. And, you know, it's crazy because um, that play, one of the players, he decided that he was going to give, you know, the scholarship money to. The player came home redshirt for a year. I took the money, took all the help. He, he was rehabbing all year because he had an injury. The very next year, he left the school, went back D1. Uh, and, you know, amongst the players, it shits and giggles to us because, you know what I mean? The player had his own agenda. He's just looking out for himself. He doesn't give a shit about what about taking scholarship money and not being loyal to a team because he understands how the game goes and how it's grimy, you know? So as players, none of us really care. But at the same time, you have to understand, like, you know, he was eating off of stuff that maybe other people were more deserving of that wasn't wasn't there for a one-year mission to this and cut. You know what I mean? And, you know, you helped out a player in that instance while you, you took away from other players. That player was a redshirt and stuff that a coach was doing that was wrong, for example, he would let the redshirt travel and tell other players that were actively on the roster they couldn't come to the game because it can only take a certain amount of people on the bus. So guys that were literally actively on the roster would be sitting home while the redshirt was on the bench watching only because he wanted to, like, keep the red shirt at the school. So it was stuff like that that was happening, guys. I'm just, like, it just really robbed my, the little ounce of joy I had left because I felt like no matter wherever I go, like, coaches are just grimy. Uh, that's just draining stuff. And, and that's All why right. I just said, you know, I'm done, so. All right, so I appreciate you sharing all that because mm-hmm. it's – as I said, right, a lot of people know you and they may not know this aspect of it. Even I've known you. I've known you a long time, but like, there's a lot of things you're telling me now that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Right? So this is a good conversation whatsoever, but we're not going to finish on that. We're going to finish on a high note. So we're going to talk some positivity because as we are talking about before, there's a lot of guys that you were around that you saw who are doing very, very big things, right? And they've right. succeeded in a way that's like beyond imagine, right? The, f- the first one I always point to, me personally, is Dylan Brooks because... You were his teammate, right? And he's obviously your, like he's your dog, so you know yeah, him personally. Yeah. But I practiced with him maybe a couple of times. I played with him a couple of times. Like for me, looking back at that age, what he was, he was the most aggressive guy, right. and he was like he just played harder than everybody else, a hundred percent. And he was he was tall. He played. He was like not tall by league standards, but at the time, so he played mm-hmm. center. But he was just bigger. He played harder than everybody. But from a skill standpoint, I never saw him as a guy that was where he's gonna be now. Yeah, like I, ne- I would have never expected him to land, it, especially when you look back and like think of some of the guys that he was on, playing on the beside. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So for him to make it to where he is now, and I see like he has a handle, he can shoot. Obviously, he played very well at Oregon, right? right? To then get drafted and like, right. it's crazy. So. I just gave my like bird's eye view of him of like barely knowing him, playing against him a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. Give your um description of how his story went, how he got to where he is from someone that knows him and that played with yeah, him. Yeah, I agree hundred percent with everything you just said. Um you described him like perfectly. Like he's definitely one of the people that played the hardest every time. My first time ever practicing with him, we were doing a drill. It wasn't even that serious of a drill, it was just a zigzag drill, dribbling. And he's just supposed to defend each other. And he was defending me and I lost my handle once and my ball went into a corner at Father Henry Court, and a man, he, he 
The man pushed up on me playing defense on me in the corner, just yelling in my face, screaming out of nowhere because I lost my dribble. And it was my first practice with balance. And I'm like, okay, with his age group, I'm like, okay, I see what type of practice is going to be. Uh, and his energy is always like that. And um, I definitely agree. You know, at the time when we were playing on balance, um, even in terms of players I was closer to, like Dylan was probably one of the players I was closer to in terms of what we did um, at the time. Uh, he played very hard. He, he was always a little bit more skilled than me, but we both played very hard. We, um, and we're just hard players and we both play the same position. So I was playing kind of behind Dylan. Um, I definitely started seeing a separation in terms of him take off uh, around grade 11. He had a killer year following Henry Carr one year. And then he went to Finley Prep and. Ever since then, every time I seen the man, something different was in his duffy. Like every time I seen him after that, something was different was in his duffy. And it's super crazy when you think about it because, you know, a fun fact out of everyone on our team that played forward, Dylan was like the last person to be able to dunk. Me, Techie, uh, Josiah, Andrew, all these other guys, Alonzo, whoever else played the yeah. position, Jalen, we are all dunking far before this guy. He was a little bit heavier set back then, you know? Yeah, he was. So, yeah, so he lost he, a lot of weight. Yeah. So he was the last one to like, dunk and i'll never forget the first time he dunked was at a carabana classic we had and when he did it everyone went crazy because you know his energy is loud and whatever but this guy just transformed into a, a, like a beast like i, I it, it's crazy to me like as you said because he's evidently like a very very skilled player in the nba right now and he comp competes with all the like the position he plays he, he's playing against the best players a lot of time on the other team he plays small forward that's one of the most competitive positions in the league and he never looks like he's ever getting little dogged or like he doesn't belong where he is. He so doesn't look out of place. Though. You know what I mean? Like for me, he's one of the people I admire the most because I spoke about earlier, you know, cars that are given and also worth ethic. I think that person is a prime example of someone that just had a dog eats mentality and just didn't care about nothing. Like he's just going to get what says and he just did it. Like, and I'm sure he struggled with some of the stuff I'm saying, some of the stuff I'm saying, but he found a way, you know, in his own life to like, persevere through that or like overcome it and it paid off because on every platform i've seen that guy play he plays confident balls, like yeah. he plays like he doesn't care who's in front of him you know and even me i've struggled with knowing i'm that good but sometimes certain matchups or certain competitions i'm playing shy and hope like are not up to like my level of competitiveness but that guy he doesn't back down from anything so i have to give him his props because he's one of the most motivated like inspiring players i've ever played with for sure uh, and it's crazy because, you know, you contrast him and Jamal. Jamal's always been super, super skilled. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. from young, that's something you can admire about Jamal's game, which is his skill. Um, and obviously his skills always gotten better. Um, but it's just different because yeah. as he as he progressed on, uh, the things that he's doing didn't seem as, as surprising because he was always getting praised for those things from young. You know what I mean? Whereas Dylan had to pass a lot of guys. Dylan had to, yo, Dylan had to you pass a lot of guys, yo. A lot. A lot of guys. And you know something I like too? Like he just stayed his course and he just, he just stayed in his own lane and it worked out for him. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was never really someone that I would look at that was really worried again about nobody else. Like when he went on the court, excuse me, he would just go kill shit. Like he yeah. doesn't care. So yeah, man. Dylan's a really, he's a really dope guy. Shout out to him, man. He still shows love. You know, he's there with me. I watched him play a couple of times and gave me some gear and whatnot. So he, he's a nice guy, man. And I'm happy for yeah. him. I'm happy for him. Yeah, still. that's a dog. So like, he's the one, like, out of all these guys that went league, he's the one to me that I look at the most. I'm just like, yo, wow. Like, yeah. For one, I didn't expect it. 
and for two, it's like for you to be where you are now, like you have to pass a lot of people, and that in itself isn't easy, bro. Yeah. Um, Chris, anything else? We're at an hour and forty-two. Nah, still, this, I think we we definitely went through it all. Um, nah, there's a couple. There's a bit, there's a well, bit more stuff, but we'll have to do it another we, time. For what we for what we wanted to touch, we we touched a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. and even more than we had written down. But like, I'm telling you, this this is the type of story where it's like so many different turns and in, in so many different roads and obviously like you've bucked into different people along the way so it's like yeah. these are just the, these are the reasons why you know we're saying like if we're gonna do this this whole podcast thing like why not you know try and extend it you know and get some yeah. of this type of conversation because i promise you bro i promise you mans are actually like some mans that will be looking at it and be like yo i wonder why guan we're Mads are actually trying to, to you know, but he, that's what I'm saying. Mads are trying to hear it. Mads do want to hear it. I know that for a fact. So, yeah, yeah yo, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Again, like, our whole reason behind this is just reaching out to people, like, that we know have been involved with basketball, right? right. We got Damien's story. I want to get, like, people who've, you know, played pro professionally. That's one thing I want to do. I want to get, I want to speak to someone who can, you know, kind of clearly highlight that there's more to basketball than the NBA, right? I think, right. like, because... For the that's the only league you hear about, but right. there's a lot of guys making a lot of money that's eating a lot off right. of just pro. You know what I mean? So yep. the hope is to get someone who's doing that one time and just again, I, I want to have you back at one point because I want to do a, a serious conversation about coaching and like because we all went through it. Right. I think all three of us had had very different opinions of right. that experience that we had in high school. So we'll do that again another time. But again, like anything else you want to say? Because no, that's, that's it, man. Thank you guys for having me. I know I ramble on a lot, but a lot of this stuff, there's so much depth to the story. I don't even know how to give you guys a short version, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to be back. And for sure, like if I could even help uh, connect with any of my guys, if you guys have anyone in mind, you know, you guys can hit me up um, and I can reach out to some people, see if they're down to come chat with you guys and, you know, share their stories or whatever the case may be. You guys just let me know. I appreciate that 100%. All right. This is All Hustle, No Luck. This is a special edition. We're going to be looking to do this more often. Regular episodes Monday at 8 a.m. I'm not exactly sure when this come out, but when it does, I promise you, you'll find out. All right. Never hoard a good thing. Share with anyone that's willing to listen. For new listeners, thank you for tuning in. For the same listeners, we appreciate you guys as always. Take care. All right. To be the one, a raptor just like a Tracy McGrady. Get richer, find me a lady. Put her in a Mercedes and watch her ride my jersey. Cause you know my baby worthy in any game she goes side. Know I'm going for 30. You heard me, heard me. Shoot her with a green light, green light. Never had a hit on me tight, tight. Cause my left couldn't be a little better. Do you know I had a me right, me right.